Welcome back to the Titletown podcast. This is episode 7 of Titletown, and it's actually going to be my final episode uh, of this podcast. It's been a while since I've made an episode. I think my last one I made was around the beginning of, of October, and there is a reason for that. With the Bengals' struggles with Joe Burrow's injury, there just there just didn't feel like there was a lot of motivation for me to be making podcasts, not a lot of excitement about the NFL season. Um, but there's only one NFL game left. The season's coming to a close. So I thought right now is the right time to get back on and to kind of go over how the season went, how my predictions played out, and then talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, despite the fact that I hate the matchup. Uh, it is an important game. So just to talk a little bit about it and uh, make a couple predictions. Starting off with my team, Cincinnati Bengals, as I said before, it was kind of a lost season with first Joe Burrow's calf injury uh, caused the 1-3 and three start, the very slow start, and just as the Bengals were looking like they were getting up to speed uh, and finding their form in the middle of the season, Burrow suffered the torn ligament in his wrist, and he was gone for the year. Um, but that's not the only issue with the Bengals. Jake Browning did come in. And he did play some pretty solid football for a while. He got a couple big wins in Jacksonville on Monday Night Football. He had that great fourth quarter comeback win against Minnesota. Uh, I think it was in week 15 or something like that. So Browning was a pretty solid piece for the Bengals when they needed him uh, to be. The only problem is this Bengals team had other flaws. And in order to mask those flaws, they need a great quarterback, not just a good quarterback. So Jake Browning... No shade to him. There are a lot of bad quarterbacks in the NFL, and I think Jake Browning is definitely good enough to be one of the 32 guys that starts somewhere else. But he is he is no Joe Burrow. Uh, that's to be expected. And without the presence of Joe Burrow towards the end of the season, the Bengals didn't really ever stand a real chance. But aside from quarterback injuries, one of the main issues for this Bengals team this year was their defense. It, it was absolutely awful this year. I think we were one of the worst teams in terms of yards allowed on defense. It seemed that we were getting constantly shredded. And even our good defensive games uh, were mostly saved by some lucky and fortunate turnovers that we were able to get. So really the defense was, was pretty soft all year. I think losing your two starting safeties in Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell, obviously, uh, played a role in that in that failure as a defense. But the Bengals had been drafting defensive backs in early rounds for the past couple of years. So as a fan, uh, you should expect that these young guys that the Bengals are taking and very high on are going to be able to, to perform uh, at least close to the level that Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell did, and, and they did not do that at all. I know Cam Taylor Britt is a solid cornerback, and he was injured for a lot of the year. That hurt. But... DJ Turner showed positive signs and negative ones. Nick Scott was not a good pickup at all in free agency. And the Bengals secondary in general was just constantly beat for pretty big plays. I remember the the loss of the Houston Texans, which was the last game where Burrow was healthy. Uh, it seemed like we were giving up third and 20s in the secondary uh, at least six times that game to receivers like Noah Brown. It just looked like our, our defensive backs were not were not covering very well, and they were not making the clutch plays on third down 
uh, in big spots in games like Jesse Bates and Vaughn Bell were. So that definitely played a role in it. I think Luan Arumo needs to be held accountable for this a little bit too. He's been a guy that's been looked at for head coaching positions some of the uh, uh, some of the past off seasons, but he really his defense was one of the worst in the NFL this year. And if you're a, if you're an organization looking at that, I'm not surprised that Lou Anarumo is not getting a head coaching job in, in this cycle. Uh, his, his defense was atrocious. It was it was embarrassing and. He had a great defense in the playoffs in 2021, a great defense in the playoffs in 2022. So he absolutely earned some of the interviews that he got and some of the head coaching speculation that he got. But, I mean, next year is, is a prove-it year for, for Luana Rumo because his defense was poor this year. And despite his, uh, his ability to shut down quarterbacks like Mahomes and Josh Allen in previous years, there is no excuse for getting absolutely torched like he did this year. So... I'm fine with the, with us keeping him as a defensive coordinator. I think he's done a good job overall, but I definitely was not impressed with what he did this year. And he's going to really need to figure it out with these young defensive backs because it was a mess this year. On the defensive line, Trey Hendrickson was great this year. He was one of the top sack guys in the NFL. Um, but I think Sam Hubbard is kind of getting old. He, he didn't really play a factor uh, this year, I'm not sure he might he might not be as explosive as he was in, in previous years, but uh, obviously he's known for that big run back, fumble run back in the playoff game versus Baltimore, and he's made some great plays. He's a great story. He's a Cincinnati kid, um, but but he definitely the wheels fell off for Sam Hubbard this year, and I'm not sure if they're ever going to come back. Linebacker, I think is a problem for the Bengals. A lot of people love Logan Wilson. I think he's fine. Jermaine Pratt, honestly, every time he tries to tackle, it seems like he's going for the forced fumble and never actually making the tackle. He's got to be one of the leaders for missed tackles in the NFL. It's it's painful even trying to watch him tackle. That that's that's a technical issue, I guess. Um, in the Luana Rumo might need to work on that in practice. I don't know, but the Bengals linebacker group wasn't great this year. Uh, so really, every aspect of the defense was, was pretty poor this year, and, and that showed in the stats. Moving along to the offensive side of the ball, one really good story this year was the emergence of Chase Brown, and that's going to be really exciting for future years. I almost thought we needed to get him the ball more towards the end of the year. He had that really explosive 60-yard screen pass that he took all the way against the Colts. He was seemed like he was constantly averaging more yards per carry and being more explosive than Joe Mixon, who has frustrated me in the past. I don't think he, he's as young and quick as he used to be. Um, but despite Chase Brown's success this year, I would urge the Bengals to hang on to both Mixon and Chase Brown for kind of that thunder and lightning duo that's worked for a couple teams in, in previous years. Uh, one example of that would be the Dallas Cowboys when they had Ezekiel Elliott, who was maybe older and slower but he could run the ball up the middle, uh, take a lot of hits, and maybe uh, give those hits back right to the defense and get some of those uh, brutal yards in the middle. And then when it was time for Tony Pollard to come into the game and, and get some outside handoff, stuff like that, the defense was was tired and beat up, and Pollard's fresh legs could just run right by him. So it was kind of a great combo. A lot of Cowboys fans and, and people in the media didn't like Zeke getting the ball that much, uh, because they knew how explosive Tony Pollard was. But I think there's a there's a big balance. Uh, the balance is what helps that thunder and lightning duo. 
and one is less effective without the other. So once Zeke left the Cowboys after last season, uh, he went to the Patriots. Once Tony Pollard was by himself, Tony Pollard wasn't nearly as effective. A lot of that is because as a smaller, faster guy, it's tough to be able to handle that workhorse role as the running back. And so Pollard's production really, really slipped this year. And I think it's because he lost that uh, that duo that he had, that uh, that balance between himself and Zeke, and that hurt his production. So with Chase Brown, I love give, I love that we have him on our team, and I would encourage us to give him the ball more. But I think we need Mixon, or if not Mixon, some other running back that's able to get a lot of carries and, and get those hard yards up the middle. Moving on to the wide receivers. Jamar Chase is brilliant, no surprise there. Uh, he's going to get his money. Uh, I'm, I'm not worried about that. T. Higgins, on the other hand, uh, I think the most likely outcome is that the Bengals franchise tag him for this season, and then he is not a member of the Bengals for the next season. Um, that would definitely be sad. I like T. Higgins, but I'm not sure he is going to be worth the money he wants. He doesn't get a lot of separation. Um, he's a contested catch guy, but he he didn't make a lot of easy catches this year. He he had a lot of drops. He was pretty frustrating towards the beginning of the year. He had that great touchdown catch, I think, to tie the game against Minnesota uh, off the throw from Jake Browning. But I think overall, I'm not sure he's gonna be. Wor- it's gonna be worth paying him what what he's gonna want, especially with what we're paying Burrow and predicting uh, what we're gonna have to pay Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd. I, I think Tyler Boyd might be gone. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a Bengal next year. I, I just don't I don't see us paying him the, the salary he's going to want as a veteran. But I also, I don't hate Tyler Boyd, but I, I don't really see how valuable he is to the team. He used to be our third down guy, um, very reliable with, with few drops. But this year, I feel like his drop numbers definitely went up. He wasn't a huge factor in a lot of games. And obviously, it's supposed to be that trio between Chase Higgins and Boyd. And I like Tyler Boyd. Uh, he's been a Bengal for a while. He made it through the, the dog days of 2019, uh, 2020, when we were pretty bad. But I, I, don't, I don't think he's worth what we're going to have to pay him. And he had a lot of drops, including, uh, and I wanted to bring this up, that huge drop against Houston uh, in our loss to Houston that probably would have won the game for the Bengals. Uh, Burrow gave him a great throw. He jumped up just right in his hands and bounced out. And that really uh, was what sent our season in a downward spiral. If we had won that game, we would have been 6-3. and three. Uh, Maybe Burrow was already injured, but it, it, definitely, it definitely felt like uh, that's really when our season just started to, to go on a downward spiral. And it's because of a Tyler Boyd drop, and that's been a common theme for him. That was a common theme for him this season. Uh, and, I mean, I'd be sad to see him go, but I would not be surprised whatsoever if Tyler Boyd is not a Bengal next year. Another loss for the Bengals is offensive coordinator Brian Callahan, who has accepted the head coaching position uh, with the Tennessee Titans. I, I don't exactly know what the impact will be of having Callahan gone. I, I think this is Burroughs' offense. I'm not sure how big of an impact even the coaching has on the offense. I'm not sure 
the the balance of roles, what the balance of roles was between Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan since Zach Taylor does have an offensive background. But honestly, I do sometimes feel like the Bengals offense, and I'm not sure whose fault this was, but I feel like the Bengals offense just made things harder on themselves uh, than it seemed than they seem to be for other teams. Other teams seem to run the ball easier a lot of the time, get easier completions, and it, it almost felt like the Bengals were putting everything on Burrow uh, and making everything so difficult for themselves. And it worked out a lot because Burrow's great and Chase is great, and we have a lot of great scope players, but it just it just seemed so much more difficult for the Bengals than it does for other teams. And when we brought Jake Browning in, it almost seemed like we we turned into some of those other teams where we got easier completions and stuff just seemed to be working out for our offense without making anything super complicated. So I'm not sure how much of a role Burrow plays in, in me feeling that way about our offense, and I'm not sure what Brian Callahan uh, thought about it and what, what Zach Taylor, how Zach Taylor was contributing to it. But we are going to see the impact that Callahan had at the beginning of next year. I'm not too sad to see him go. I never thought our offense, I, I don't think the Bengals offense has ever reached its full potential um so I think I'll be interested to see what a new offensive coordinator can do but I mean it is in the end Burroughs show so I mean I'm I'm excited to see the Bengals offense without Brian Callahan and finally I I just have to say Joe Burrow's got to stay healthy there's no other way for this Bengals team to win he was the number one overall pick he signed the most lucrative deal in the history of the National Football League um, he's been to a Super Bowl. He won a national championship. He is outstanding. Uh, he's not Mahomes right now. He's not the best quarterback in the NFL, but he's outstanding, and the Bengals need him to win. Burrow has played four seasons of the NFL. He has had two season-ending injuries. That is concerning. What is not concerning is that in the two full seasons he's played, he made a Super Bowl and was a play away from making another Super Bowl. So that's the good news, but Burrow has to stay healthy. I don't like all the training camp injuries year after year. At some point, it's got to stop. Um, and I didn't like the wrist injury this year. It was just really odd. Um, it wasn't like something that you you saw on screen because uh, it was hurt even before the Ravens game. So I don't really know what happened there. But he's just got to do a better job of, of, of taking care of his body. I know as an NFL quarterback, you're taking a lot of hits and stuff like that, but you don't see Patrick Mahomes having season-ending injuries. So whatever it is, Burrow needs to figure it out and figure it out quick uh, because this was a wasted season, and that that's now two wasted seasons uh, that make up half of his career. So Burrow's got to stay healthy. But the the one thing I do have to say about next year is if Burrow stays healthy, the Bengals are easily the, the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. I, I'm sick and tired of hearing of Lamar Jackson, of hearing about the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens did sweep the Bengals this year. Uh, first game in Cincinnati, though, Burrow re-aggravated his calf. Uh, he was still not mobile at all, and you could tell. And then the Bengals were winning in Baltimore on Thursday Night Football when Burrow had to leave the game with a wrist injury. So uh, I get it. The Ravens were blowing out some good teams like the Dolphins and the Lions and stuff like that. I I don't care at all. I mean, the Bengals are are a better team than the Ravens. The Bengals, I think, would have swept the Ravens this year if they were healthy, despite uh, Cincinnati's defensive struggles and and stuff like that. 
Uh, so I get that the Ravens had an impressive regular season. I get that they swept the Bengals, um, but I was not at all surprised by the outcome of the AFC Championship game. I thought the Chiefs were going to win. I don't trust Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. I don't like John Harbaugh's demeanor. Um, and obviously the Ravens' game plan was, was really poor in that game, only handing the ball off to their running back six total times when they're one of the best rushing teams in the NFL. So because of that, uh, because of the fact that Josh Allen can't beat Mahomes, um, and, and because of the fact that I don't, I don't actually think there are that many other great quarterbacks in the AFC, I think the Bengals are easily the biggest threat to the Chiefs. They are th- Burrow's 3-1 against Mahomes. I think people forget that that the Bengals are, or that Joe Burrow is the only quarterback to beat Mahomes in the playoffs besides Tom Brady. Uh, so I, I'm not, I don't like when the media talks about like, is Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes the rivalry? Is Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes the rivalry? They're not. People have really short memories and a lot of recency bias, but it is between the Bengals and the Chiefs. Uh, those are the two best teams in the AFC. It is between Mahomes and Burrow. Those are the two best quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs and Mahomes are on top right now. But when we're looking to next year and talking about threats, uh, you can guarantee that the Bengals are, are what's on Patrick Mahomes' mind as long as Burrow can stay healthy. So um, Baltimore can do whatever they want in the regular season. I don't care. Buffalo can do whatever they want in the regular season. I don't care. When it comes down to it, uh, when the calendar turns to January, I think that next year, barring any uh, crazy bad injuries like we had this year, uh, I think it is going to be Cincinnati versus Kansas City in the AFC Championship. Now, inspired by Colin Coward, uh, I thought it would be a good exercise to look back at where I was right and where I was wrong uh, based or regarding the NFL season. Um, I'm not going to include predictions that I think were significantly uh, affected by injuries. So, for example, I had the Bengals as the one seed in the AFC, uh, but Burrow didn't play a lot of the season, so I'm not going to include that as where I was wrong. And I had the New York Jets being a huge disappointment in finishing third in the AFC East. That's exactly what happened, but Aaron Rodgers only played four snaps this year, so I'm not going to include that either. So I'm going to start with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I was I was right about the Eagles. Um, back on Titletown Episode 3, I brought on special guest Eli Kogan, huge Eagles fan, and I told him that I was that I was changing my Eagles prediction to ten and seven, that I thought they would significantly regress, um, that I wasn't sold on Jalen Hurts, that I thought the line would be offensive line would be worse than it was last year, and that the defense would be worse than it was last year. And despite the Eagles starting ten and one, there were a lot of signs that they were actually in regression. They weren't blowing out any teams like they did back in the twenty twenty two to twenty three season. Um, and so they were 10 and one, the record was good, maybe not looking so good. And that, and that's when the wheels fell off for the Eagles. Something, something happened in that locker room. I don't know what, but, uh, they, they just didn't look right the rest of the year. They finished out the regular season one in five. Their one win against the New York giants, uh, the Tommy DeVito led New York giants, I believe. So that was, that was their one win. It looks really bad on Nick Sirianni, to be honest. No one, no one still knows what he actually does for the Eagles. Uh, besides, talk to the media. He doesn't 
control the offense or defense. So he, he seems to just be standing there on the sideline doing nothing. So a bad look for him, and he's going to start this upcoming season on the hot seat. And and honestly, as a, as the head coach is not controlling the offense or the defense, the one thing you got to do is is keep the locker room together. And that, that didn't look like it happened at the end of the year. The Eagles looked lost. Uh, they didn't look mentally focused, or, or they didn't look like they cared about winning. Jalen Hurts looked like he had all the life sucked out of him. He didn't he didn't smile uh, the entire season, essentially. So I, I don't know what's going on in that Eagles locker room. But what I do know is that Jalen Hurts uh, is a game manager. That's, that's really all he is. He racks up those rushing, rushing touchdowns with the tush push. He's a pretty good runner. He is a dual threat quarterback. Uh, and he can make some throws. So I, I like Jalen Hurts, but I would classify him as a game manager. He, he's not a gunslinger. And I, I don't really know what to say. He had a, he had a great year two years ago. Um, and he, he's perfectly capable of taking a team to the Super Bowl. I mean, Brock Purdy's a game manager, and he's in the Super Bowl this year. So uh, that's still a possibility for the Eagles. But they, they had a terrible year this year. And then it, it finished with that just embarrassing... Uh, I think 23 point road playoff loss to the Buccaneers who, who finished nine and eight. Uh, the Eagles just looked like they quit in that game. Their defense was missing tackles. Hurts just, he, he just looked sad, honestly, on the sideline. Uh, but it was just really an embarrassing performance for the Eagles. And, and, uh, and that was just a microcosm of their season. Uh, just an embarrassing season, humiliating season. And they went 11 and 11 and seven. I had them going ten and seven in the in the regular season, so that was a pretty spot on prediction there. Moving on to where I was wrong, and I think there there's kind of layers to this because I was only partially wrong. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens went I think thirteen and four this season. They were the number one seed in the AFC, and I did not predict that at all. I had actually the Bengals going thirteen and four and being the number one seed in the AFC. I had the Ravens at 9-8 and eight, uh, for a couple reasons. I thought their defense would regress. I think they lost players like uh, Marcus Peters and Yannick Ngakwe last offseason. Uh, but this year, their defense was much better than it had been in previous years. They had uh, great linebackers in Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. Uh, they created pressure. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, as a, the second-year safety, emerged into a, really an unbelievable player. Uh, so the Ravens' defense was was solid. They were not the problem at all. Uh, and neither was the offense. The Ravens didn't look like they had a problem for the entire season. Lamar Jackson stayed healthy, which is which I did not expect. He looks like he's learned how to get down when he's running so that he doesn't take those big hits. So the Ravens look like a juggernaut all year. Zay Fla- rookie wide receiver Zay Flowers uh, and new offensive coordinator Todd Munkin's offense um, was explosive. Uh, they were much better throwing the football than they'd been in previous years. Lamar cut down on the turnovers, uh, and he's still, I mean, he's going to be the most valuable player in the NFL for the 2023 season. So the Ravens had the MVP. They had the best record. They were almost everyone's pick to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. So I was definitely wrong in that regard. They did not go 9-8. and eight. They did not miss the playoffs. However, uh, in the end, the regular season does not matter. And in the playoffs, the Baltimore Ravens crumbled as they did in 2019 because Lamar Jackson's style doesn't win playoff games. I, I haven't seen it. Um, 
and people that say that Jalen Hurts was a rushing quarterback and he made the Super Bowl in the 2022-23 to 23 season, I understand that, but, but Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson are, are not the same player. I think that the Eagles actually do have a better passing attack than the Ravens, and Lamar, despite improving his accuracy in the regular season, was wildly inaccurate in the playoffs. He missed a ton of throws. They scored 10 points overall. So, And a lot of people want to make excuses for him. Uh, a lot of people didn't like the narrative that he couldn't win in the playoffs, but that narrative was just reaffirmed this year. I mean, he beat the Houston Texans, uh, a game that was tied at halftime. He was able to he was able to beat them with his legs, but when he faced a real defense in the Kansas City Chiefs, he, he couldn't do anything. He scored 10 points. So I'm not going to make any excuses for him, and I'm also not going to expect him to have any success in the playoffs until he proves me otherwise. Uh, and, and this was the year for Lamar because they had home field advantage. They won that, that AFC North pretty easily. But the Bengals are going to be back next year, and, and Lamar Jackson better be ready because uh, this was a big opportunity for him. He squandered it, uh, and, and and he failed in the playoffs. And uh, I mean, props to the Ravens for having a, a great regular season probably setting some records for how dominant their defense was and how much they blew teams out. So I was wrong about that, but but again, in the postseason, I just do not trust Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Moving on to where I was right, kind of. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were great this year. Um, I did not have them winning the division, but I did say uh, a lot of people were sleeping on them and a lot of people thought they were going to be the worst, if not one of the worst teams in the NFL. And I said in that weak NFC South, I would not be at all surprised if the Bucks won the division uh, and, and got a home playoff game. And that's what happened. But not only that, they actually won that home playoff game. Uh, and I, I think there was really one reason why, and it was Baker Mayfield played outstanding this year. His numbers were a little bit better than Tom Brady's worth for the Bucs in, in his final season in the NFL. And, and Baker was really good in, in a division that was really bad, and he was able to take advantage of his games against Carolina, uh, the Saints, and the Falcons. Uh, they got a winning record. I'm a little bit salty that their 9-8 and eight got them a home playoff game, whereas the Bengals' 9-8 and eight got them uh, sent home. But I do like Baker Mayfield, and, and he really impressed everyone this year, and I'm glad that he is back to having some job security. I've, I've always been high on him. I thought the Browns made a huge mistake uh, getting rid of him and, and paying all that money for for uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, Deshaun obviously was hurt this year, but even when he wasn't, he, he looked terrible, to be honest. He, he's a bad quarterback. He had a couple good years. He was always overrated. Uh, he's a bad guy off the field. So just, just a really bad decision by the Browns. I know Baker's had some off-the-field issues, and a lot of people think he's had some attitude issues. But he's a much better guy than Deshaun Watson, and, he, and he's a better quarterback too. Uh, but I'm glad he, he's now somewhere where they like him and they want him. Uh, but this is yet another example of how Cleveland is a poverty franchise. Uh, and you could see it even at the end of the year that Cleveland was a poverty franchise. They got Joe Flacco. He had success. They went into the playoff game, and they lost by 31 points. So... Not sad at all to see that happen. I, I liked Joe Flacco's story this year, despite the fact that I hate the Browns. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't feel sorry for the Browns at all for what happened to them. 
Uh, and I'm really happy for Baker Mayfield. He seems to have developed a great connection with Mike Evans down there in Tampa. And even with very little run game, especially at the beginning of the year, the Bucks were able to uh, make the divisional round of the playoffs and, and give the Detroit Lions a run for their money, although they didn't end up winning the game. Uh, I was really impressed with the Bucks this year. And, I, I mean, I I guess I wasn't completely correct about them. I did not have them winning the division, but I said I would not at all be surprised if they won it, which they did. And finally, I have to admit it, I was wrong about the San Francisco 49ers. I, I get it. Uh, Brock Purdy has... has proven himself to a certain degree. I wasn't sold on him at the beginning of the year, and I still am not sold on him. But here's what the Niners did well this year. I, I expected them to uh, be a third-place team behind the Seahawks and the Rams in their division. They ended up, uh, just like the Ravens, I think, going 13-4 and and getting the number one overall seed in their conference, the NFC. Uh, the Niners looked pretty good all year. They blew out Dallas. They blew out Philadelphia, although both of those games seemed to not really mean much after the collapse of both of those franchises on Wild Card Weekend. But, um, so they, they were able to do that. However, uh, I think they were, they lost at least three of their four games to AFC opponents, uh, more specifically AFC North opponents such as the Ravens, Bengals, and Browns. So uh, one thing that that tells me is that the NFC is much weaker than the AFC, which a lot of people already knew or, or thought, but the Niners were by no means uh, just uh, cruising this entire season. They had that one stretch where they lost three games in a row. Uh, however, I mean, I had them going 10-7 and seven and finishing third, and they went 13-4 and four and finished first in their division, so uh, I was wrong about that. Brock Purdy had a good statistical season. He was in the MVP race for a while. I don't think his his uh, brilliant stats are because of him. I think it has a lot more to do with the Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle, and that great O-line, and, and even Kyle Shanahan, and even that great defense. So that, that team is loaded, um, but I guess I just didn't expect... I expected Purdy to kind of crumble. Uh, I thought that his, his 10... 10-game win streak that he had started at the beginning of his career in games that he started and finished was flawed because of how poor the competition they faced was. But he, I mean, he faced some stiff competition this year. He he played a lot of good games. He did lose that game to Cincinnati at home uh, that I predicted. He lost that game by, by 14 points. Uh, and that was probably the peak of the Bengals season, actually. But, but other than that, the 49ers... Were, were a great team this year, uh, and, and they made the Super Bowl. So I still don't love them, and I still don't love Brock Purdy, uh, but that doesn't mean that I, I wasn't wrong because I, I was wrong about them, and, and now they're, they're headed to Vegas. And speaking of Las Vegas and the Super Bowl, uh, the Chiefs and the Niners, I think, is the matchup that absolutely nobody wanted. Uh, everyone wanted Ravens-Lions. I'm not too beat up about... The Chiefs being in the Super Bowl, I think it'll help the Bengals next year because it'll be tough for the Chiefs to three-peat. But uh, the Niners are two-point favorites in this game. I, I think that's pretty ridiculous considering uh, how good Patrick Mahomes has been in the playoffs, how good the Chiefs' defense has been this particular playoffs. I don't think they should be underdogs, and I don't think Mahomes should really ever be an underdog in the playoffs until, uh, until it's proven otherwise. I think that the Niners defense especially their run defense has been really suspect in their playoff games 
they, they obviously had those big home deficits to, to the Green Bay Packers and the Detroit Lions, two teams that were really able to run all over them. And I don't expect that to change. The Chiefs have Isaiah Pacheco. I love the way that he runs the football. So I'm definitely concerned about the Niners' defense in that regard. And then Mahomes, obviously, is, is going to make plays. He hasn't turned the ball over in the playoffs, I think, since um, since that loss to Cincinnati two seasons ago, uh, where he had th- like those three second-half turnovers, something like that. So I, I, I don't think that the Chiefs' offense is going to really have any issues moving the ball or turning the ball over. Uh, and Travis Kelsey is going to do his thing. Rasheed Rice has been great pretty much throughout the entire season for the Chiefs. And despite their the narrative that their receiving core is terrible, uh, the Chiefs' offense hasn't had any issues this playoffs, and I, I don't expect that to change in the Super Bowl. And then moving on to to Brock Purdy and the Niners, they've gotten off to really slow starts at home. That, that is concerning, and the Chiefs are just a different animal. They have much more playoff experience than the Lions and the Packers, who had pretty much zero playoff experience, if we're, if we're being honest. And... And the Chiefs are not like that at all. They have the most playoff experience. Uh, they have Patrick Mahomes. And if the Chiefs get up to a lead uh, on the Niners, a lead that the Niners have, or something that's happened to the Niners the past couple of rounds, Brock Purdy is not going to be able to come back like he was able to against Green Bay and against Detroit. And and I just don't I don't trust Brock Purdy yet. I, I, I get that he's a good quarterback. Uh, he's certainly better than his Mr. Irrelevant title. But... Uh, I, I just don't I don't trust him enough. I, I like McCaffrey running the football, but this Chiefs defense has allowed over 25 points, I think, one time this season. So it's going to be hard for the Niners to move the ball. It's going to be hard for the Niners to score. If I have to predict someone's going to turn the ball over, I think it would be San Francisco. So uh, all of that coming into play, I, I just think that there's no reason the Niners should be two-point favorites. I think the Chiefs it would be a really smart bet here. And I, I, I have not much more to say about that. I don't, I don't like the game. I don't like the matchup. I don't really care that much. But I, I find it interesting how skewed the odds are. I think, I think the odds makers are making a big mistake with this one. And I will definitely be, be taking Kansas City. Uh, other than that, that's all I really have to say on today's episode of Title Town. This concludes uh, the season one finale of the Title Town podcast. I I appreciate everyone who's listened, uh, and I'm sorry that the that the content has been so sporadic. It was a disappointing year for the Bengals. It was a pretty disappointing year uh, from the NFL in general. Uh, let's hope that the Cincinnati Reds can make up for it this spring.